Welcome to Brain Pain, where we explore the vast world of psychology. I'm John, your host, and I need to remind you that I'm not a psychologist. What I talk about here is not meant to be used as therapy, although I encourage therapy if you believe you need some, I go talk to somebody, man. And uh, I am just a psychology PhD student at this point. So these are my opinions. These are my thoughts. They're, again, not meant for therapy. So today's topic I want to talk about is sleep. It is something that there are more and more studies being done on uh, the impacts of sleep and how it works. I have a course coming up that is physiological psychology. I'm looking forward to that course. I think it'll be very interesting to see how the body and psychology interact. But I have a, um, a few things I want to talk about in general uh, about sleep so that we understand we have a, a basic platform to work from for the rest of this discussion. There are a lot of things that happen when we sleep. Bodybuilders who have been successful know how important sleep is. The uh, sleep is where the muscles rebuild, and there's a whole lot of chemical reactions that only happen when we sleep, or that only happen efficiently when we're, we sleep. Uh, one of the things that we only see in the body when we sleep is melatonin, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. They call it the Dracula hormone, because it only comes out at night. Sleep also is used for uh, processing your day, is the shorthand for it. Uh, when you sleep, I think most people have heard about rapid eye movement. You go through cycles of rapid eye movement, and they believe this is to transfer your day into uh, long-term memory, to process the different things that happen to you throughout the day. And as such, it's important for your mental well-being. Now, that ties into about a bazillion other things, but rapid eye movement for me is very interesting because this reprocessing of your day, this processing of what you dealt with during the day um, ties into a therapy for uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD that is called, it's rapid eye movement basically. It, it's one to three hertz movement of the eyes as you process through the trauma that you experienced. It's very interesting that it works to me and there's a whole bunch on that that I will probably speak about in detail at some further date. I have a personal history with sleep. Well, we all have a personal history of sleep, right? <laughs> but my, I did a bunch of research probably, let me see, that'd be almost 15 years ago, which there wasn't as much information then as there is now, obviously. But I was having a lot of trouble sleeping. I would sleep, but a lot of insomnia, things like this. And so I did a lot of personal research, and a lot of that is reflected, what I discovered then is reflected in uh, information now, although it's understood, the why is better understood now. The why this matters is understood better than it was when I was doing my research then. So let's start with what happens with sleep deprivation, if you're not getting enough sleep in the extreme. And I'm just asking you to follow me down this rabbit hole so that we can kind of understand the importance of it and how to make it better and how to use it in our lives. Because I mentioned last week mental hygiene, and I believe that sleep is a very big part of mental hygiene. So sleep deprivation. 
I would encourage you, if you want to see some information about sleep deprivation, what it can do, is to look up a man named Peter Tripp. Last name is spelled T-R-I-P-P. He was a DJ, and he's known for two big things. One is he was known for commercial bribery. He was one of the DJs in the 50s that was taking money from record companies to play specific songs over and over to make them popular. But for our purposes, <laughs> he was known for a wake-a-thon that he did. It was to raise money for charity, and he stayed up for 201 hours. Now, this is not the record, and the record is no longer kept by the Guinness Book because they do not encourage people because of the possible damage you can do to yourself. Now, when I first heard about Peter Tripp, this is years ago, when I was doing my sleep study, and they talked about the fact that when you stay up past 72 hours, you may do may not will, but may do permanent damage to the gray matter that is in your spine. Now, part of your neural system is your spine, and there is some gray matter in your spine that makes instant decisions before it hits your brain. So if you've ever touched something hot and you've pulled your hand away before you realized it was hot in your brain, it's because your spine got the, scent, got the message before your brain did. And your spine pulled back because it said, oh, that's a danger. Well, you can damage that with long-term uh, sleep deprivation. Now, in the 201 hours that he stayed awake, he started to have some really horrible hallucinations. And some doctors realized, because they were watching him, psychologists, and they were wa watching him, because after five days, he started to hallucinate. He saw people who weren't there. He saw cobwebs on people's faces. He saw suits on people. He thought they were made of fuzzy worms. He saw uh, spiders crawling around his shoes, out of his shoes. But they realized that what was happening was that he would see things that weren't there in 90-minute intervals. Right, so these 90-minute intervals are important because when we sleep and we have our REM sleep is a 90-minute interval. This is why the, quote, eight hours of sleep is a big deal. Because you typically average is 90 minutes. People will sleep and you'll get a one REM cycle every 90 minutes. So for a full night's rest, you want three of these, which is seven and a half hours. Right. So eight hours we round up or we round down because there are some other health plans that say you need to get seven hours of sleep. But it's, that, it's right between seven and eight hours. So seven and a half hours would be the standard, quote unquote, for a good three cycle sleep. And that's what you're looking for is a three-cycle sleep, according to the stuff that I've read. There's another individual that's tied to this Peter Tripp deal, because Peter Tripp then was never the same person. He'd always been known to be very outgoing and very happy, very up upbeat guy. He, after that, was never the same. He was a brooding and dark, and he didn't know who he was. Well, by the end of the time, he, by the end of the time he was saying, wait, he wasn't sure who he was. He was having delusions and paranoia, and this paranoia never fully left him from what I've read. There are some really, if you really read into that study, that's a fascinating one itself, and maybe someday we'll go down that rabbit hole and just follow it all the way through. But after that, there was a guy, I think it was six or six years later, a man named Randy Gardner stayed up longer. He stayed up 11 days. And he said, oh yeah, there were no negative outcomes. But this seemed to be the, the reason they did it was to show there was no 
outcome. And like anything, if you're going into a study to prove something instead of find out if it's true, you'll prove whatever you want, in my opinion, because there's details that are not as readily available, at least in the studies I've, or reading I've done. But some of them mention how he was having hallucinations and there's questions as to whether or not he had micro sleeps. If you've ever stayed up for a really long period of time and you've like fell asleep and woken right back up, these are these micro sleeps. They're just a few seconds. If that, um, they might be less than a second or your body just shuts down and you pick back up. I know in my military experience, we had a couple times where that was happening and I thought I'd stayed awake for three days and, and I mostly did. During that time, I probably had a number of micro sleeps uh, that are just really, really short, maximum two or three seconds. So there's, there's questions there, and I'm not really going to go on and on about who the who stayed up the longest. The big thing is though is that it's typical when you have uh, long-term sleep deprivation to have extremely they 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 resemble acute psychosis. These things that happen, very similar to toxic psychosis. So there are things that happen where if you get toxin-driven psychosis, if you get certain toxins in you, it can cause psychotic symptoms. You're not actually psychotic permanently. It is simply a psychosis caused by the toxins. The same thing with sleep. Lack of sleep can cause uh, psychosis. So this will tie into a couple things that I want to point out right away. A lot of anxiety I believe, or for people who stay up too much, who don't sleep enough. I think for a lot of people, especially when we're talking about teenagers who stay up too much and then they have a lot of anxiety, who they aren't sleeping, I think this can contribute. This is my opinion. There's no study to back this up that I know of. It's just that when you start putting together some of the symptoms that happen when you don't sleep enough, this could definitely contribute to some of our problems we have with people uh, are younger people who are in their teens to early 20s. They suffer a lot of anxiety, a lot of issues like this. Well, we know for a fact from studies that have been done that we as a society have started sleeping less and less. And with uh, our kids who stay up and play video games, and I'm talking, you know, they play video games for 12, 15 hours, and they're getting six hours of sleep or five hours of sleep before they get up the next day. Uh, I think this is a con I think it's a big contributor, big contributor. Well, I guess if they stay up doing anything, but you know, video, basically our, our digital age where we can talk to anybody, we can be up all night. We can, we have things to put, to feed our brain and release dopamine for all hours of day and night. I think this is uh, one of the things that we're, we're starting to see as a result is uh, our psychology as a whole is deteriorating because we are not sleeping enough. Real simple. Uh, we need to make time for seven in my opinion, seven to nine hours. That's that's what I find if I have time to sleep between seven and nine hours. Uh, I'm a lot better as a person. That's sleep deprivation. Let's talk about how we get enough sleep. I found that uh, there's a few things that, and you can read these anywhere. There's a lot of lot of studies, or not studies, even just uh, recommendations. People tell you how to improve your sleep, and they'll let you pay them as much as you want to pay. To learn how to sleep well. Well, there's a couple things. One is that you unplug, is what I call it. Just unplug a half hour before you you should be asleep. In. Uh, put down all your get gadgets. Your turn off your television. Turn off your computer. 
For those of you who sleep with a television on, this interrupts your sleep, according to various studies. You don't actually sleep as well with the TV on. Um, white noise is good to help sleep. A fan or a white noise machine, etc. Those are those are excellent things to help sleep. And I'm just I'm just using a synopsis of my studies. The single biggest reason in several studies, the single biggest reason people are not sleeping enough is they're not going to bed. I laughed out loud when I when I heard that or when I read that. I, I just I laughed. Partially because I was that was one of my big reasons is I'd wait till the last minute to try and go to bed. Like I was gonna miss something if I wasn't awake. But people just don't go to bed. So go to bed. That's the first thing. Another thing is to use your bed only for sleep. Well, for married couples, sleep and uh, couple activities. Let's put it that way. It should not be for anything else. That should be a dedicated place for sleep and your body will respond as such. Have a bedtime routine. Now, I just told you to turn off all your gadgets. The one exception to that might be a e-reader. Because we process differently when we read than we do when we look at video. So if we're looking at, if we're reading something, our brain is in a different state than if we're watching video. I personally read for 15 to 20 minutes almost every night before I go to sleep. And then there's melatonin. So let's talk about melatonin. Melatonin is a hormone, which I mentioned earlier. It only comes out at night. It comes from, oh man, watch me um, massacre this part of the brain. Okay, suprachiasmatic nucleus. All right. It's a small part of your brain. It actually doesn't release hormones itself, but it sends signals to parts of the body that control hormones. It also adjusts body temperature and functions it. It basically functions whether or not we're awake or whether we're asleep. That's what it impacts. It is affected dramatically by light. And this is why having your television on actually inhibits or makes your sleep worse for most people. When there is light, it makes us feel awake because it knows that we should be doing something. When it's dark, it helps us feel sleepy. When we didn't have big bright lights and electricity and everything that, are, that would, we can stay up all night with, the human body developed so that this part of the brain, uh, when it got dark, would release melatonin. And again, that's, it's called the Dracula hormone because it comes out at night. Areas that have what I'll call norm, normal U.S. time zones, your daylight uh, from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m., it would release more melatonin and allow you to feel sleepy and, and go to sleep. When you got daylight, and it got to be around 9, it would uh, affect hormone release, such as uh, cortisol, and, and it would help raise your body temperature. So when, you, when it's dark, it would lower your body temperature and release melatonin, so you would sleep. And when it's light, it has the job of releasing cortisol and, and raising your body temperature. So there are a lot of people that just knowing this understand what their sleep problem is. <laughs> so for me personally, I have used melatonin, which you can buy at 
drugstores, grocery stores, to reset my sleep clock. The studies that they have, which I'm sure there will be more in the future, but currently the studies they have show that uh, while it does not necessarily help you go to sleep in the studies they have, it does help reset your uh, sleep clock, which is what I was doing with melatonin before I, under, before I read any of this study, because I thought it would help me fall asleep. But what I would do is I would go on a regimen. So I would take one three milligram melatonin for three to five nights in a row, and then I would stop. And then I would usually be able to, and still to this day, I can usually sleep after those three days, three to five days, depending on how well the first three days go, my clock is reset and I can sleep normally and I don't need the assistance. Now, a couple of things that inhibit natural, well, I shouldn't say a couple of things. The thing that really inhibits uh, natural sleep is daylight or bright light. And bright light doesn't necessarily mean really bright. Bright light is relative and basically means enough light to stimulate the brain and prevent melatonin creation. The big concern with melatonin is that it's there's trace amounts of it in various foods, and so the FDA does not control it. So the, the problem is that you taking three milligrams may or may not be three milligrams. So if you take three milligrams for the average person, it will raise your blood level of melatonin about between one and 20 times normal, depending on how much you normally generate. That ties into body size and a number of other factors that I really haven't even gone all, all the way down. But the good news is there's never been any proven toxicity or overdose of melatonin. The big thing is you need to focus on all the other aspects that help create melatonin naturally, which includes eating healthy, working out, or getting enough physical exercise. It can be work if you have a very physical job. The basis is that we as humans, we're hunter-gatherers. We spend our days in physical activity, and now we do not. And this is ties into the lack of melatonin, other chemicals and hormones being at the correct levels for proper sleep, and then it snowballs. If we don't get enough sleep, we feel tired and groggy, and we are not as active, and then we don't get good sleep, and then it just spirals, and it snowballs and gets worse and worse. And can create a lot of long-term health problems, not just psychological. The studies that have not been done that I've been contemplating as I've done my recent research on sleep is what does a constant state of sleep, it's not really sleep deprivation in the what, they, what they're using as sleep deprivation. Right now they use the term sleep deprivation for people who go 24 hours or more without sleep. But it would be chronic uh, lack of sleep. Let's let's put it that way. Chronic six to five hours. We really don't understand all of the issues that would be related to this, because there's so many systems that all interact in our bodies that nobody's done the study yet. I think it's probably coming because so many people sleep less than seven hours a night, and then wonder why they're unhappy and unhealthy and things aren't going right. No, I'm not talking about short-term six-hour, you know, I have a week of six-hour sleep. I'm talking about long-term, consistent, not getting seven and a half or more hours of sleep a night. But what I'm saying for me, for part of my health hygiene, is getting enough quality sleep and making sure that I'm getting seven and a half hours or more a night. 
<clears throat> again, there are exceptions to this. Things happen. I, the last week, I had a friend of mine call me at 10 o'clock at night. I get up at 5 a.m. Right? So right there, there's seven hours if I was already asleep <laughs> at 10 o'clock. Well, uh, my friend needed me. Of course I was up. Of course I was talking to them. And that night, I got about six hours of sleep. And I drug through the day, and I got my eight hours the next day, and I was fine. Seven and a half, eight. Sometimes I'll sleep nine, and that's uh, and that's about as much as I can normally sleep is about nine hours. Because at that point, I, I got no more sleep in me. <laughs> that's... That's psychology and sleep. Now, I know I spoke mostly about sleep, but the the psychological effects of extreme sleep deprivation should warn us having chronic lack of sleep. All right. Take care of each other. Take care of yourself. Rock on. <laughs>